Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod here in Vegas with Utah Jazz point guard Mike Conley. How you doing? I'm great, Mike. You, you, are you used to hearing that yet? No, I, I still don't really uh, recognize it. <laughs> really, without uh, you know, kind of have to take a double take. So, did, did the fact that you knew the teams had talked at the trade deadline start to prepare you mentally for the possibility when the season ended? Those talks would be right back there. You fit what they needed, and um, it, it was kind of a natural trade partner. D- did it give you a chance to have some time to, to consider what it was going to feel like, look like, and uh, adjust to it maybe before it even happened? Uh, yeah, it really did. You know, I think that um, I was almost even more shocked in February or in January area when we were put on the market uh, more so than when I got traded, but. Um, even to the point when I got traded, you, you try to prepare as much as you can. But when you do, it's you know all the emotions and feelings, you know they pour out and you know all at once. It's kind of a weird situation. But um, after everything settled down and everything was, you know, I understood where I was going. Utah was going to be home. Um, it, 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 I mean, it, I got excited immediately and realized, you know, the possibilities that that were in front of us. There's a lot to talk about with the Jazz, but going back to that time in Memphis, <clears throat> they put you on the market. <clears throat> they put you and Mark on the market together. And was there a sense at the time that it is probably you looked at the roster, you looked at what was happening around you, and that the group had probably has gone as far as it could go with the supporting cast that was around Mark and you. Even though it made sense, was it still jarring? Yeah. Um yeah, even when I got the call from Robert Pear, you know, saying that he, you know, unfortunately he was going to have to put put us on the market and yada, 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 um, I immediately said to him, like, I understand, you know, I I could kind of feel that, you know, kind of coming. But like I said, until that happens, you don't, it doesn't really, you know, hit you like that. But um, we could sense it in the direction of the franchise. The last few seasons weren't the way that we had wanted it to go. Um we were fortunate enough to get a good young talented guy like Jaron in the draft and you know when you start to see those building blocks being built uh you can kind of see the writing on the wall cuz you know been in the league long enough to know that that part as as much as anything so um you know i think after that you kind of saw it coming the trade deadline comes and in the last hour mark goes to toronto and there's no deal for you and you stay what was the emotion like that he was going, you were staying, and you were going to play. And if these were the last few months in Memphis, you'd be there without him. Yeah, um, it was it was hard. You know, I think um, even more so. There was a you know, Jamichael Green, you know, Garrett, Shelvin. Everybody felt like half the team. You know, that I was you know went through training camp with or had played with for over the past three or four seasons. And in Mark's case, you know, my whole career. Um, they were all just gone, you know, and the next day I was just like, wow, like, you know, what do I do? I feel like I was just, you know, left in a, a empty room almost in a sense. And, um, and to see Mark, you know, move on and, 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 you know, he was in mixed emotions. I know he was excited at the time knowing that he was going to an actual contender and had an opportunity of winning a ring, which he did. Um, you know, but it was just weird to, to know that I would not be playing with him, uh, you know, for the remainder of the season. 
when you get traded like that at the deadline, you really don't get to say goodbye, especially when you've been in a place the way Mark had been his whole career. Did it feel like you had the rest of the season to sort of say goodbye to Memphis and, and walk off the court for the last time? Um, is, is that what it felt like at the end? Uh, yeah, you know, I think the last month and a half, two months was, you know, just really taking everything in. Every time I came into the arena, every game, every time I suited up, um, every interaction I had with fans or ushers or, you know, security, all the people that you've know, watched me growing up. Um, it's, it was just an opportunity for me to almost say goodbye and, uh, still not knowing if I would get traded or when or if the summertime was going to be that time. Um, I just, you know, really wanted to put a closure, you know, on that chapter and, and play as, as good a basketball as I know I, I can play. And, um, cause I was feeling really good all year and just, you know, felt like, you know, it was a lot of fun with the guys we had out there. So just really wanted to have fun for those last, you know, two months. Mike, describe your emotion when you're watching, uh, the finals and Toronto wins and Mark gets up on the podium and, and Doris Burke asks him about your group and when he, uh, referenced you guys. Oh man, I was, at first I was wondering, like, I, was, I don't know why she, why she mentioned us. I don't, <laughs> I don't want any attention right now. Like, I, I, this is all Mark's moment, but, um, it was, it was, uh, it was neat, man. You know, that, that says a lot about, you know, where Mark's mind, you know, and heart is, um, even in times like that where he's doing the ultimate, you know, just want a ring, um, his mind is still, partly in Memphis still with his teammates that helped him um, and vice versa get to where he was going. Do you wonder the way the league is changing and guys are literally running around to try to team up and get together that <clears throat> do you wonder if guys of the next generation will ever have what you and Mark had you, you just got thrust together. You didn't come looking for each other. Right. Um, circumstances brought you together from two very different backgrounds places in the game of basketball and, and something that you built over so long um, that you can't manufacture it. It just, it comes organically. Mm -hmm. do, do you wonder if other guys are going to, there are going to be many more guys who are going to experience what you two shared for that long? Yeah. You know, I, I really doubt it. Um, I think t today's games, the game, the players are, you know, they, they've seen, the options in front of them, you know, by examples led, you know, in front of them. So they understand that they have the ability to move and, and you know, they have the power and can move, you know, team up wherever they want to. Um, and it's okay, you know. And so, you know, for us, it doesn't seem that long ago, but 12 years ago, there was, it wasn't really any, any of that going on, you know, still Kobe and those guys. And, and that's what we had looked up to. Those are the guys who, you know, really set the, set the table for us. So Tim Duncan, you know, Manu, Tony, you know, it was normal for us to see, look at those guys and say, oh man, they've, they've stuck together forever. That's what we're going to do. You know, that's kind of the mindset. So, um, I'm not sure if that's the same example set for the younger generation now. So I doubt that they'll have that same, um, opportunity. <clears throat> Mike, when you, <clears throat> when you look back, there was a lot of success in Memphis and grit and grind is, it was just part of the NBA vernacular. But in the last few years, decisions made in personnel, I think management, coaching at odds at different times, uh, draft picks who didn't work out, free agent signings that blew up on the team. 
that it feel like you guys did you and Mark didn't get the opportunity you really would have wanted to 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 maximize your time together there. Well, I think there was a few seasons where we really needed to make that that jump, you know, whether that's getting the draft pick right and getting the free agent right or trades and whatnot and um and we just happened to just miss you know we just missed on a few things and um got unfortunately you know unfortunately we got unlucky with a few injuries here and there just like things were just the the worst timing for stuff and um which kind of held us back a little bit and because the the years that we were really really good we were a team that we felt that could get to the finals and beat anybody i mean even the year when we lost to the Spurs in the Western Conference Finals, we were like, we've we've beat them before. We've mm-hmm. beat them in the playoffs before because it was the same team, you know, that we had. This, they had the same team basically, and, and in our mind, we were confident enough. And, and like I said, we were just one or two two players away. What was the height of grit and grind to you? Um, I I really think uh, honestly, I really think the the very first playoff series when we beat the Spurs, um, we were the eight seed. It was in full effect. Mm-hmm. You know, it was in full effect. That was uh, remarkable. You know, to see Zebo playing at the level he was playing at. You know, Mark obviously, Tony Allen. You know, prime Tony Allen. You know, I was basically a defensive specialist back then. Mm-hmm. Just ran the team, and and um, that was fun basketball. And we had a really deep team. We, you know, all the young guys, Rudy Gay and and OJ Mayo, just had a really grimy young young team. I think that's where it all began. It, Mike, at it, 32 to walk into this Utah team and you look at <clears throat> Donovan Mitchell, who I know you've gotten to know, mm-hmm. uh, and anyone who's around him, you get juiced up being around him, his enthusiasm, how much he cares. Uh, obviously Rudy Gobert, and then you look at the other moves this offseason, Boyan Bogdanovich, you know, Ed Davis, you know, Emmanuel Moutier, who I know BJ Armstrong, his agent, really was excited about getting you to be, you to be able to work with him, Quinn Snyder. Is there a part of you, at this point in your career that is revitalized by what you're walking into and, and, and how desperately they need you and how, how badly they wanted you. Yeah. I mean, all of that right now is, is just been, um, a little shot in the arm, you know, in a sense, like I have a, I have another, it's like another chance, you know, and, um, knowing what I'm coming into with the organization, uh, the culture, the, the players, um, like you said, Donovan, Rudy, Joe Ingles, I mean, bogey we go down the list we have a really a deep team and um it's just an exciting feeling to know that that's what i'm walking into and the city's excited to have me you know it's not you could easily have been traded anywhere else and you know them not really want you or think there's a bad deal or whatever and you're just fighting that fight the whole time but you know salt lake city has embraced me from since the trade happened so it's 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 a it's a fun fun time for me i feel like i feel revitalized i feel like i have a lot of energy just ready ready and anxious to get things started will be interesting you you know um how team building goes in this league and all the different ways you can do it It will be interesting for you to see utah portland denver teams with all-stars at the top really deep rosters they've all improved this offseason against the clippers and lakers who you know, put together rosters with two big, big stars at the top may not have the depth, but that your teams, like your teams going against those and how that matches up in this league now, of having continuity, depth, 
some more balance than those top heavy teams. It, will that be interesting to see how, what that looks like when the season gets going? I think so. I think so because, um, like you said, the teams like the Jazz, Portland, Denver, they've been together. They have, uh, great camaraderie, chemistry. Uh, you know what you're going to get from uh, the way they play and, and, and all that. And other teams like the Clippers and Lakers, they have, you know, they have the stars and they, they, you know, can win any night, but we don't, we really don't know what, how they're going to play or how they're going to mesh together yet. So, um, it'll be fun. You know, I think everybody's excited for the com- competitive part of it. Um, knowing that every night you're going to play somebody really, really good, uh, in a sense and, um, and know that, you know, it's going to be a dogfight. Does the dynamic of this league as a player change? There is no super team. There's no, essentially Kevin Durant and, Kawhi Leonard decided we're not going to be part of a big three. We're going to go somewhere where there's going to be two. Does it feel like it's changed the whole dynamic of the league almost overnight? I really do think so. I think that, you know, the parity is there now. I think teams really understand and and feel that, shoot, we have a chance. We have a chance to win this thing. We have a chance to do something special. And and you can see that in all the moves that a lot of the teams are making. Um, And I think it's just going to be, it's going to be fun all the way around for fans, uh, for the players alike, just to know that, you know, when the playoffs do come around, that all those teams in the playoffs, you don't know. You don't know what happens. Injury here, um, the team just gets hot. Like anything can happen. So it's going to be a a very interesting season. Describe your, the conversations you've had with Quinn Snyder since the trade and you could start spending time with him. Anybody who's played for him will talk about just how expansive his mind is um, on, on both sides of the ball, but but offensively um, to start figuring this out with him. You, you know you're joining an elite defensive team. It was already that. You'll improve it there. But what have, what have those conversations been like about you two starting to brainstorm about how you'll put this together? That's been great. You know, it's it's ironic. I thought I knew a lot about the game. I thought I, you know, have been around and seen everything, but – I learn something every every conversation I have with him, and he's not afraid to just blurt out plays or actions or things he wants me to be prepared for or work on um, to help make the team better. And I mean, I love that. I mean, I it, it's it's rare for me to to have that kind of interaction uh, with anyone, and and he's kind of had that from you know only gotten to be around each other literally officially for a day. So um, it's it's uh. It's it's cool, man, to really know that uh you know we have a guy like that at the helm that's going to break down film with you, break down you know your your flaws to help you become the best player you can be in order to help the team. You look at the way teams could load up last year on Donovan Mitchell, and I think he faced that in his second year in the league where everybody was game planning for him, and it's it's an adjustment. The the pressure that you Boyan. Um, the new players there can take off him to allow him maybe more space. What, what do you imagine that looks like for a player of his, of his talent? Uh, well, just in com- uh, conversations with Quinn and me sleeping at night, visualizing it and stuff like that, it looks like the paint will be wide open for him. Um, and honestly, I think a lot of it will take the pressure off him having to handle the ball as much as he had to do and have to be so um, you know heroic in a lot of moves he had to make. Um, cause it does get tiring as the season goes on and wears on you. But having the, the type of system, you know, that Coach Quinn implements and, and the way the culture there in, at Utah is, is the ball is going to move. Guys are going to get wide open looks. Um, so, you know, we're, we're preparing for him to, 
sit in the corner sometimes and, and just make a shot. Like that's for a superstar player. That's like a great thing to have is to, to rest somebody, make a play for you. You got Rudy going to the rim and you got to make a decision on what you're going to do. You know, Chuck Rudy or leave one of Donovan, Joe or Bogey or myself open for three. And, and that's going to be hard to guard. One thing I want to circle back on, Mike, and, and I don't think people appreciate this enough. I think you and Mark, like the, what it means to be a franchise player in the NBA, like, yeah, guys want, they want a max contract and you got a big, you know, that mm-hmm. you got the big deal. Mark got a big deal from them. And, and I think sometimes like what happens is as soon as it doesn't go the way you want it to go, it's easy to start bailing in a place and say, Hey, this isn't what I signed up for. I want, um, either get me somewhere else or, you know, guy can just start blaming everybody around. No one ever heard that from you once. And I just always got this sense that you felt that the responsibility of being a franchise player was all encompassing, mm-hmm. right? Like how, how did you view that there and, and, and dealing it with, with it when it, when it got sideways? Yeah. Um, yeah, like you said, it, it is a responsibility at that point when you are fortunate enough to be in a position to sign a max contract or be a franchise player. Um, it is on you to get the team to where you need to get them. And so there is no pointing fingers. You know, most of the time when Mark or myself um, saw things going the wrong way for the team, it was started with us. You know, it started with how we, can we do things better. Um, but also on the flip, on the other side, we were lucky enough to have played together, been together for so long that we truly felt invested in the in the city truly felt invested in the team as if it was you know we were the owners of the mm-hmm. team you know or or you know we were running the team so it was um you know, a little bit more personal for us and i think that that's what helped us you know especially myself just not worry about moving forward or moving somewhere else or see guys teaming up and wanting to do the same thing you know i was just like man this is where i want to win and mm-hmm. we got to try to get it done how can we get it done so last thing mike there's this picture that pops up really late last night on your Twitter feed, you're, you call the greatest AAU team <laughs> ever. You, now people know you and Greg Oden, mm-hmm. the top of the team. Who was the rest of that team? What, what was everybody doing in Vegas? Um, well, I'll go down the list, short list here. Uh, Eric Gordon was also a member of that team. We had Josh McRoberts, um, Mark Titus, who, right. you know, right. now is a writer and journalist, <laughs> you know, he's, you know him, but, um, we had a bunch of guys. Daquan Cook was also with that team. Um, he was probably the best player of us all the time. Really? Yeah, he's, and I still think he is. <laughs> he's an unbelievable player. So, and, and Josh McRoberts at the time, he was the number one high school player in the country, right? Right. Coming out, oh uh, yeah, Carmel, right? Yeah, yeah. So like at the time in high school, we had you know two guys who were number one players in their you know um, age age classes, and um, a lot of guys who were kind of around top twenty. You know, so I mean, we were really really good. And the thing about us, we. uh we played together like we were the Spurs, you know, <laughs> we, we did ball. Nobody cared who scored. Like, I think we all averaged 10 points a game was no, nobody averaged more than 15 and except for maybe Greg, but, um, it was a fun team to be around. And that's how it usually is in AAU ball guys sharing the ball, playing for each other. That's the, uh, AAU, that's the AAU circuit. Mike, I, come on. I don't know. I, I, I've kind of, I'm removed, removed from the AAU circuit, but it was fun yeah. to see everybody last night. Yeah. Um, we all randomly, you know, we're in Vegas at the same time and uh, got together and got some food. That's great. Mike, thanks for thanks for taking time out. I know it's going to be a quick summer and uh, training camp will be here not not too long. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate right. it.
Here with Utah Jazz General Manager Justin Zanuck on the morning of your press conference in Vegas to introduce Mike Conley, who came over to trade uh, prior to the draft, and Boyan Bogdanovich, who you signed in free agency. And then we have to ignore several other uh, players you signed in free agency because of the NBA moratorium. That doesn't really make much sense anymore, but we'll ignore the other moves. But uh, Justin... The changes you made in this offseason, starting with the Mike Connolly trade, you guys had looked at that deal back at the trade deadline when Memphis made him available, and then you do the trade right before the draft. Kind of walk through where you were at the trade deadline, and then when it didn't get done there, and you looked at a deal for Connolly, you looked at free agency and what might be available at point guard then. Um, how did that one come together? Sure. Well, thanks, Woj, for having me and um, kind of take you through the storyline of what we had. We You have multiple discussions during the trade down deadline with every team. It's a little bit of an artificial deadline within the league. So we had multiple discussions with teams as is normal course of business. We were not able to get anything done in February uh, for Mike. Um, just two teams not being able to agree on a deal. And uh, since then, Memphis has had new management and a new management structure. Uh, once they had some of their changes in place, they re-engaged with us and I'm sure uh, multiple teams um, as they're going through their phase of, of competitiveness right now. So we were able to get on the quickly get on the same page. Um, obviously, things were different. Every team changes within six months, whether you're in in the playoffs or you're competing for the playoffs or in the season versus the off season. Um, but we still had a, a strong desire to add Mike to our team. If, uh, if, if it was possible And Memphis, I think acknowledged that they were going into a, a younger rebuilding phase, um, especially with them getting the number two pick and having a great draft pick with, uh, with JJJ. So they had a, a foundation in place that they wanted to add to. So, Usually when a trade happens, you have um, what we call just two teams with like-mindedness, that pieces that fit or, or uh, paths that we're going to go on. And so we were fortunate to be able to agree to a deal. It took a, you know, it took a couple weeks, but because we had built a relationship with Zach Kleiman and the new management structure in Memphis previously, um, it was actually quite simple to get it done we both know knew where we were when you evaluated your team after the playoffs and you lose to houston and you see where you know stretches where you couldn't score where you needed more playmaking did did the playoffs sort of accentuate everything you kind of felt you already knew about your team and and, and kind of paint a clear picture of what exactly you had to come out and do in this offseason to to elevate that group to to put you know a more Playmaking around Donovan Mitchell takes some pressure off him, and obviously, you know the the core would and with Rudy in the middle. Yeah, so we had a very good team the last couple of years. Um, you know the the Miller Miller family has given us great support. Uh, our facilities are great and uh, have high character guys. Um, but the playoffs uh, showed us kind of where we stood. Um, every team has. Uh, things they they need to improve on or or weaknesses or flaws but we felt like we had a really good foundation uh with with donovan and rudy um 
especially our defensively, we're a top three defense the last few years. And could we maintain that while also um, becoming more balanced on the other end of the floor? We made a few transactions last year uh, that did help our offense. Um, but to be championship competitive, ideally you need to be in the top five in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency and at least top ten in both. Uh, we were just outside that after we made the trade for Kyle Korver last year. Um, but being able to convert that, the playoffs are a whole different animal. So we felt like we just needed to be more balanced on offense and uh, while still uh, hopefully maintaining the defense and our defensive integrity. That's, you know, what Dennis has, has built here in Utah for us is the defenses first and discipline and then developing our players. So hopefully this mix of players will add spacing and um, mentorship from Mike to our young group, uh, leadership and, you know, matchup problems for other teams now. That's all on paper right now. We still have to, it's a new group and, you know, Quinn will do a great job integrating that group. And, uh, we've, we're adding some high character guys that want to get in here and work and, and get to know our, our group. And so we're excited about that. Justin, before the start of free agency, either you get a call. Well, I don't know if you could get a call on this one before the start of free agency. You find out that Nikola Miritich is no longer on the free agent market. He is going back to Barcelona. What happens in your meeting rooms? Um, I, I, I believe he was a target for you at that point. You find out that, which I don't think there was much warning for. And, and how do you guys pivot? So let me back up a little bit. Uh, our basketball uh, operations and strategy group, you know, Dennis, myself, David Morway, Stephen Schwartz, uh, Bart Taylor, and our scouting group led by Walt, uh, we've been, we plan ahead every single day. So you always operate on two paths, right? Like what's going on today and what's, what's going on with our team in the season. And then what's, what's the future that's analyzing markets, that's finding trade partners, that's monitoring whatever else is going on in the league. So when you prepare for free agency, um, just like the trade deadline, you have a series of things that you can control and things that you can't. So we had general things that we wanted to add to the team. We wanted to add spacing around Donovan and Rudy. We wanted to add more playmaking. So it's not that just one player fits that. So, And then also knowing where our cap situation is, especially after we had added Mike Conley in the trade, you know, where was the market? Where would you know we hopefully project where players, you know, what they're going to ask for on July 1? And um, be prepared for any of those scenarios. So things like that happen. You just, whether you call it a pivot or not, it's just this is the market. Right. So he was no longer available. So who is available? But, but it, it's not so much A, B, and C. It's a combination of players because there wasn't one player that we were going to add and, and fix everything. It was we're going to add a multiple group of players, and they have to meet the standard of, of talent, of character, of hard work. Um, great backgrounds, and so certainly there were a number of guys that way, and so we were able to execute on a few of those. So June 30th, after 6 Eastern, you meet with Boyan, yep. and and how does that go, um, besides the fact you got him? Yeah, which is a good thing always. Um, we quickly found out from Boyan, um, he's a student of the game. He's, you know, 
obviously an accomplished international player and an accomplished NBA player. Um, what I was really happy to hear was uh, how complimentary, and we've had this from a lot of players, how complimentary they are of the organization, everything that the Millers have done to give us the support of our great facilities, our ability to uh, go out and make uh, the Jazz the most competitive team that we can, um, the way we play, um, how many players feel so strongly about the way Quinn manages the group players talk to players and and it quickly gets around that we you know we knew this but it's nice to have the recognition as much as Quinn wouldn't want it he's an outstanding coach an outstanding person um a great teacher a great tactician so a lot of guys that want to go play for him so um Financially, obviously, terms have to be competitive and, and that, but all, all things being equal, we have a lot of tiebreakers where we have players that want to come to Utah. And that's a credit, again, to the Millers, the, the city, the state. Um, and we were lucky that we were able to convert on a few of those things. You were competitive, $72 million uh, over four years. And now then you go out and, and again – because of the moratorium, you can't acknowledge these, but Ed Davis, two years, 10 million. Emmanuel Moutier, who had an outstanding, kind of a little bit of a breakthrough year for him in New York last year, can come in now and have, you know, kind of continue his growth, playing with Mike Connolly, learning from Quinn Snyder. And I know BJ Armstrong, his agent, that was a big factor for him and where to put, uh, Moutier maybe on, a, on another one year deal. Um, was there a sense, Justin, that teams have been waiting in the West? And listen, even if everybody came back in Golden State, I think you would have done all these same things. But there's just this sense of opportunity around the league, around the West. The the, the Warriors, the super team is gone. It's a very, it's a different team between Durant leaving and injury to Clay Thompson. That the opportunity, and you've seen it in this offseason, what Portland has done to build off their core, uh, Denver. Um, you know, between last night and this morning, finished a deal, pick up, um, Jeremy Grant from Oklahoma City, another, uh, you know, adds to their group that all of a sudden in the West, like, everyone's done waiting and everybody has, everyone's leapt, leaped in and, and this is, um, uh, I think there are a lot of teams who believe we, we can win the conference this year. Um, we can be, we could be competitive to do that. I don't know anybody's felt that. Um, over the last few years? I think there's always, every season's different. I mean, 12 months ago versus right now, how much change has been in the NBA. I think you always try to feel the most competitive team for uh, for that year or for that two years or three years. Team building, frankly, has become very short now, um, partly because of the short-term contracts now that are three and four years, you know, a few that are five. Um, just the changing nature of the NBA that you really have these windows to compete. I think we've, we've been in a window over the last, uh, since, uh, the rebuild that we started in 2013 and 14, you know, we've been a competitive team. Uh, is there a larger opening? Um, possibly just because, it's it's been spread out of around seven, eight, nine, ten teams in the Western Conference. Uh, Golden State has obviously been the clear favorite for the last four or five years. Um, but again, we're all every year we're trying to compete 
and uh, build the best team that we can. I think just the opportunities were able to come together and we were able to convert on them this year to really give ourselves a shot. And uh, we embrace that and we're excited to get started. Just you said something interesting. Windows have gotten shorter in the league. And for the L.A. teams, for the teams, for the big market teams who are going to be a destination in free agency, um, who are going to do what the Clippers did, create the space, sign one player, get another player to force a trade there. Lakers, essentially the same scenario. For Utah, for Denver, for Portland, there still has to be a longer view. It's not going to come – it may not come together that way for you guys. Do you, you – your perspective probably – it can't be the one that exists the way they just put the two L.A. teams together. I think for, for us – um, we have, uh, you know, again, because the contracts are, are shorter these days that you're, you're again, operating on two different levels. You're operating for putting the best team together for this year to compete, uh, contract length and being able to operate on a second level of, you know, team building now and going forward. Um, you prepare everything that you give yourself the best opportunity now, but also not sacrifice the long-term, um, stability of the franchise. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a bunch of moving parts going forward. So the parts that we can control right now are, you know, the, the team that we've put together and then looking for a vision for the future of how we can continue to add pieces to this team and compete. Dennis Lindsay moved to president, uh, from the GM role. You moved from assistant GM to general manager at the end of the playoffs, what changed in your day-to-day life leading into the draft, free agency? How different has it been in that seat? So we've always uh, operated as a, a group. Dennis has created a very flat organization. So our opinions, and uh, that's with the, the scouting group, the upper management group. Um, but as Dennis has said, I, I think he's described it the best way is on a minute to minute, hour by hour basis. That's what I'm doing now. That doesn't mean that you took over minute by minute and hour by hour. Yeah. And yeah. Dennis is still obviously, you know, the architect of all of this. And, um, he's been a great mentor, uh, for me and, and, uh, for me being able to step into this role and really help the jazz in that way, help Dennis so that he can be very strategic and, uh, plug in with board of governors more and, and, uh, be there for all of us to continue to guide us and do that. And, you know, I've been able to add some things for, for our group that I think have helped, but, uh, you know, it's been a great partnership with all of us. Has minute by minute in the NBA ever been more insane than it is in the job <laughs> right now? I think part of mindset. So whether, you know, part of my job description was to be minute by minute. I was always minute by minute. You, you know, go to sleep thinking about your job and, and the team and you go wake up thinking about the job and the team, regardless of the title or, or duties. Um, but certainly, I mean, you never know what's coming. You know, we all have your notifications on Woj. So, you know, you report on the changing land landscape of the <laughs> league on a minute by minute hour. You probably sleep less than we do. No, nah, that's right not now. true. No. Yeah. You can turn the notifications off now. No, I never, you never know. <laughs> In this league, you never know. We're going to keep them on for a while. 
Justin, great to visit with you. I know you guys are excited to get uh, the rest of your group signed and in. Uh, tremendous off season for the Jazz, and and uh, good luck rest of the summer league. Thanks, Will. Appreciate right. it.